that's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast where we discuss what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and today we're going to be diving in and having some head-to-head arguments on what makes something what it is. <laughs> and by that abstract comment, and from the laughter you can hear in the background, we're talking about silly things <laughs> like what makes a pie a pie and is a hot dog a sandwich. But first, as always, with me today are Brandon and Brian. Fellas, how are you doing? Great. Absolutely splendid, as always. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> now, I know we were just <laughs> laughing pretty uncontrollably before starting here because we were doing a bit of research into trying to define or have some sort of reasoning for what makes anything what it actually is. I think it's a, as good a place to start as anywhere with the classic <laughs> is a hot dog, a sandwich. Brandon, what are your no. thoughts? No. No. It's Explain. Not. Because? So a sandwich to me has two individual pieces of bread. Uh, hot dogs and by extension, hot dog buns are generally one piece cut down the middle to put something in but okay. it's still oh, connected on one end holding it together it's not two pieces of bread but, therefore but what about subway subs i was about to ask <laughs> well subs are cut like they cut those all the way through no not at least at subway but not at subway sorry that uh, it's, this is brand specific most other subs just at subway yeah yeah, see, that's a good question. I would say, at the beginning, not a sandwich. But as you add the ingredients in, and if you're building your Subway sandwich correctly, you have enough ingredients in there where the bread actually does split apart and becomes two individual pieces of bread, thus making it a sandwich. So is a hot dog a taco? Yes. Does it, does it depend how you hold it? No, because you can eat tacos multiple different ways. Very carefully, I guess, yeah. We're only talking about hard shell tacos, right? Because, I mean, technically you could do a... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, see? Soft shell taco, I guess you would eat like that too. But if you wrapped a soft shell taco, it just becomes a burrito? Yeah. Yes. I Like, not... <laughs> Yeah, not culturally appropriating that, but yes. So I think, I think before we go any further, we sort of talked about this. We should introduce what we found to be the cube rule for our listeners out there, because uh, I think we're all struggling with structure a little bit here. So we found the cube rule <laughs> of food, and that's for identifying dishes based off of the location of starch in the dish. So, for example, toast is the most simple example. Just on the bottom surface of the cube of the six sides there we is go. their starch because yep. it's just toast. Now, that's compared to sample number two, which would be a sandwich. So, on both the bottom and you know adjacent parallel 
top of the cube, those are your two starch locations, all right? So if you're still with me, for number three, we have a taco. And for a taco, we have that bottom layer, obviously, because it's touching the ground, supporting from below. But then only two single sides that are parallel to each other. And we're talking taco. hard tacos here, folks. Hard tacos. Or soft, right. soft or tacos least wrapped held. like hard, hot, hard tacos. Or at least held. <laughs> yeah, held in a way in which they're supportive on those two sides. Yes. All right. Still with me. Halfway there. Um, number four, we have sushi. So again, keep in mind, this is just a starch. So rice is being lumped into this um, group. I guess more of a carbohydrate, really. But anyway. Um, sushi <laughs> is just like a taco with those three sides but then putting a roof on it all around sort of encompassing but leaving the two ends open and then for number five we have a soup and salad slash bread bowl so if you just picture a bowl of bread all sides are covered except for the roof uh, of the cube and then finally coming in at number six we have the calzone so that's starch everywhere and that's all sides of the six-sided cube covered okay so just for context now, you'd think, I think this whole thing would help clarify the situation. But to me, it makes it more confusing. Because then you can get into situations where you can argue that because the carbohydrate is just on the bottom, nigiri sushi, where the meat is just on top of rice, is toast. <laughs> See, that upsets me on, on a number of levels. Absolutely. And that's where I don't like the use of food names to classify right the cube the cube because when you say sushi like you got hand rolls you got sushi pizza you got sashimi you got right sushi is a category of food in itself it absolutely can't be also a type of classification exactly and like we're even talking say tacos for example well that's really only a hard shell tacos it's not soft shell like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's the difficulty. When you say sandwich, it's so liberal of what it encompasses. Right. And when the fact that in this cube rule, they have quesadilla or quesadilla <laughs> as a sandwich, but like you. it's only a sandwich. It only becomes a sandwich after you cut it because typically your quesadilla is folded uh... in half. Well, no, I guess if you did two, you could do two round tortillas, but norm like one on top of the traditionally other, how it's made is you it's one tortilla folded in half so that you can hold that outside with nothing leaking out. So it's a taco. So it would be a taco, and even right. if you cut it, it's still technically a taco because you should have two open sides or out of the three. Uh, not every, not every piece Correct. would be a taco. Correct. All right. So then we get into this area of mutual inclusivity and whether it can you know morph into two separate categories man now i just want a quesadilla and the fact that they call pizza toast like i can't get down <laughs> with that pizza i can should actually be get i okay. can get behind that one i can get but it should be called okay pizza. now <laughs> let me ask you this what if what if there are no sides covered it's a, did you guys make it all the way down to the it's bottom it's a salad <laughs> It's called a salad. salad. First example under a salad, steak. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mashed potatoes, fried rice. 
So that's the other thing. Like, poutine. So this is where it gets really interesting because potato, would you consider a starch? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So (laughs) something like mashed potatoes they have listed as a salad with zero sides of starch. Because I think there's... But it's all starch. So shouldn't it be more of a calzone? I think it would be more a toast. Because there's nothing in the middle of it. Mm. I think it depends mm. like if you top it with something. As soon as you top it with something, Absolutely. it's toast. Okay, so where did nachos fall? Toast. I would say toast. It Unless they're double layered. Layer what, <laughs> what if they're layered nachos? If they're layered? Yeah. Uh, mixture between... So like you have, you have chips, chips, cheese, meat, chips, cheese, meat. That's See, it. I think you raise you raise a really good point with this i think at some point you have to question the ingredients in the structure right so yes. what i mean by that is is there enough content there for layered nachos to morph out of the single toast based single layer category to make it worth or turn it into a calzone based situation Do you know well it's I'm not saying? even a calzone like, it's like it's more there? of a lasagna i think at this point but a mm-hmm. lasagna is a sandwich. Right. But I think that's more where, where layered nachos would fall. Less of a calzone, okay. more of a lasagna. Okay. I can get behind that. That's where I see that. I'm even Therefore, thinking of like a Nachos quiche, are sandwiches. Even though it's not all the way around from a starch perspective, it's still very much like the way that it's built. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting, because you have no starch on top, right? Because theoretically... It's cheese or some other sort of food on top. Mm-hmm. So how could it be a sandwich? And th- okay, by that reasoning, lasagna should not be a sandwich. Absolutely. Okay. Just because the top layer isn't that starch. Yeah, the top layer is yeah. sauce and yeah. cheese. Okay. The top layer has to okay. be st- yeah. So I think you're right. It's got to be a quiche. It's a layered quiche. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> so Brian, Brian, where do you stand on hot dogs being sandwiches? I, you know what, I'm totally good for people who want to argue their case for hot dogs to be sandwiches because it really doesn't matter that much to me. I'm still buying my street meat. You type B, make a decision. However, <laughs> since I'm forced to make a decision. <laughs> I would rule that based off of Subway sandwiches, they do fall within the sandwich category. Well, right. it actually says sub sandwiches fall under the taco category if they're uncut. Correct. It, That's it, what I mean. It says it One here. One piece of material. But for like normal society, you're not calling a Subway sandwich a taco. You're getting a sub or a sandwich. Like You're getting a sandwich from Subway. That's what you say. Right, but are we? But aren't we saying that normal society has it all wrong? No, I think normal society is just confused with their limited options, and so <laughs> we're using the scope of the cube rule to. They're confused to if whether a hot dog's a sandwich or not, and now we got this gong show of food categorization of calling sushi <laughs> without nigiri in it. So here, okay, so here's the thing. So you mentioned earlier, it's the names of these categories. Like, that's where the problem is. Absolutely. And I kind of agree. 
what would you rename these six categories to be? Start with toast. Flat layer. Like a flat layer of something. Okay. So basically, we have to get away from assigning a specific carb to the structure. Exactly. It's more built by design. Would you would you use the term open face? I I could get behind that. Okay. Mm, yeah. Maybe even one maybe face. even two faced. But there's only one layer of starch. It depends on what side depends you look at. How many nachos you put on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you calling a sandwich layer? Instead of a sandwich, what are you calling it? Bunk beds. Yeah. Bunk bed. I could get bunk high and bunk bed. Okay, the bunk bed food. Okay, I like that. Thank you. Tacos. Three sides. Tacos. I would go with like, although I'm going back to my food, it's not in relation to a food when I say wrap. More like a thing that is wrapped. In my head, I'm thinking like saran wrapped or sealed or... Would you would you call it the blanket category? Oh, that's a like a, a sleeping bag is probably where I would go. This, okay, I'm building the sleeping bag. Well, Are we okay. comfortable with the four sided coverage though? Absolutely. You know, well, because tacos is supposed to be I think three sushi sides with an be, open side. Sushi could be sleeping yeah, bag. Sushi could be sleeping bag. See, or even quiche because your your foot box is closed. For for me, I don't like that. Doesn't matter to me. It's all within the general concept of something is surrounding contents in the middle. And whether you choose to zip up your sleeping bag or leave it open for an extra airflow, that's up to how you want to have your food served. Interesting. So you think three and four should be amalgamated? Should be, yeah, yeah. Should, or really is just a matter of semantics. Because you get, you get a taco or, and you can, you can get it served to you and it has... It could be soft shell and it has one open side, right? Because one side's folded so that you can eat it. Nothing falls out. You could have it in a hard shell or you could make it your own and wrap all of the sides into more of a wrap or burrito-like structure. It's still a taco. It doesn't change the food type or like the, the ethnicity of the food that's in it. Mm-hmm. I'm so hungry right now. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm not. I still got the runs. Oh, the, nice, nice, nice. The Dominican runs. That's why they call it the DR. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Number five, <laughs> or bread bowl. How do, you, how do you feel about a sock or a toque? Upside down toque? What about a bowl? Yeah, bowl. I think bowl works. I like the creativity of upside down too. I like the Duke too. Let's <laughs> <laughs> confuse our international friends. A hat. The inside of a hat. Yeah, okay. upside down hat. Okay. And calzone. See, I think this could go within a wrap. Like, No, but a wrap has an open side. But then as soon as you... So, like, they have an example. A... Corn dog, for example. As soon as you take a bite out of that corn dog, it's no longer closed side. Mm-hmm. Correct. As soon as you take a bite out of a burrito, as soon as you take a bite out of a pie, like I, I think, yeah, I think we have to be careful that like you have to start. 
you have to you have to make the call somewhere like you can't just i right. don't know eat the top off of sushi and then it's a taco you know like it right as served as yeah. served is yeah. when you make the call like for me exactly. if you're calling a a hot dog say it's a a, a well, i don't know what are we calling that a uh blanket yeah I don't know how you can not classify a corn dog not as just a fully wrapped blanket. You know what I mean? Like, because there's a difference. But it's the same ingredients for the most part. Well, one, but one's fully wrapped. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I'm just I'm stuck on getting my head around how it's served versus like how you choose for it to be prepared. Well, but like. When you go to Subway, you would say, I want a wrap or I want a sandwich. That's when you're choosing. If you want to cut your corn dog up into smaller pieces. <laughs> yeah, but you would get the corn dog first. I know, I know. But do you see where I'm getting at? Is like... No. The, <laughs> the, the topic around the ingredients and what's inside of it and more classifies what it is as opposed to how it is served. Uh, disagree because if you so say for example you're making corn dogs or hot dogs from scratch right so if you come up to me you say Brandon I want a hot dog I'm going to put a bun around a wiener of some sort or like a sausage or a hot mm-hmm. dog yeah you are <laughs> if you want a corn dog I'm going to take a hot dog put a skewer through it batter it and then deep fry it correct and then I'm going to give you a corn dog but the main the main contents of that sandwich is the or the main context of that item is the exact same. It's the hot dog is sure. the, the the meat and potatoes of that meal. Yeah, but it's a diff- different classification of food. From an item perspective, but from a category, I would place them in the same spot. Well, like a flatbread pizza, or not even a flatbread, like a you can go to Subway and get a pita. Uh, sub mm-hmm. where they use pita bread as the bread and then you can also use the exact same ingredients and make a pita pizza for sure so i think we're getting into the whole conversation that i was bringing up before we started with the binary thought of if the ingredient influences the decision of what it is versus the structure so i think we're talking about the structure right now where depending how that is manipulated or how that's changed, does the categorization categorization change, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's have, the structure because you can put whatever you want on a pizza. It's still pizza. Or is it though? It's so, still so, open So when does that change? <laughs> when is a pizza not a pizza anymore? As long as it's baked in an oven with a yeast risen crust, is that pizza? Uh, I wouldn't even say yeast risen crust, and I wouldn't even say baked in an oven because you can have dessert pizzas or like ice cream pizzas. Okay, so you're 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 what one might say is a structural purist, he's but a sh- ingredient <laughs> rebel. He's a he's a structuralist, as our research friends would understand. Ooh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Yeah, like, Brandon, I I do agree with you. Like, I'm completely open to that. For the simple reason that an ice cream sandwich is a sandwich. Absolutely. It doesn't 
it doesn't matter what those contents are. I have, yeah, no, I have, yeah. I have my carb on one side. I have my carb on. I, I got the, my bunk bed format, and I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. I am 100 percent about the the structure. So I have another one for you guys. I have a question first before we move on. Okay. Do you think that's based off of our Western culture of how we view food? Because typically in the Western culture, we have like we've westernized a lot of different dishes to make them either more appetizing or to be more similar to items that we've already con- like consumed. For example, sushi pizza. Mm-hmm. Like it's deep fried rice with your sushi on top. Like that ain't a pizza. You know what I mean? Like, why not? No, but the reason why I say that is like the reason that that was created in, it, I don't know 100%, but I see it for the Western world. Like, I, I've yeah, never heard of anybody going to, Japan. going to Japan. I've never seen anybody or heard of anybody in Japan talking about authentic sushi pizza. Like, sure, they're yeah, putting the salmon on pizza. pizza. It's just like the one back home. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the my thinking is is our view of like ethnic food categories skewed based off of how they have been delivered to us and going like yeah burrito is very similar to a taco which is very similar to a wrap meanwhile they're like from an ethnic perspective and the ingredients and the taste profiles are vastly different things just like an enchilada to a burrito Sure, they're similar, but they're completely different things. Right, but I think that's why we're moving away from the individual words that they used to classify them and go towards our own definitions. And cultural feels with that too, right? Like I would say, Brian, to your point, likely North America, like the Western world, is more open to being the structural purist ingredient rebel. Like it doesn't really matter, or even the completely, you know, opposite end of the spectrum radical sandwich anarchy because in other areas of the world they might be more traditionalists mm-hmm. where you're actually just you know it's it's always x y and z and this is what's great and so we always do this because that's just what works mm-hmm. uh, and it's rooted in that tradition whereas like you know north america is like yeah pop tarts all right yeah where do pop tarts fall Calzone. Hmm. Uh, I mean, because of the icing on top, you could also call them lasagnas or nachos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, does the garnish on foods change what the food is? I would yes. say yes. Because Absolutely. if you look at something like a pizza, it's almost entirely quote-unquote garnish, where it's the toppings that dictate the entire experience. No, I would say that, that those are toppings, not garnish. But a, like, pop-tart, would a say, pop-tart wouldn't but then be a pop-tart without then, the icing on top. Yeah, then I would say that's a topping, not a garnish. A garnish? The way that I would classify a garnish is that it's there for appearance, not for flavor. Okay. Would be how I would... I would I personally, because you get like the, um, it's not basil, it's, uh, 
parsley. Parsley, thank you. That really doesn't have much flavor, nor is there enough to split it amongst equal portions within your meal to complement the flavor, but it's there to make it look nice. For sure. For sure. So then I think we need another category where we have a fully enclosed ingredient with another ingredient on top. Okay. A Pop-Tart. The Pop-Tart category. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, no need to overthink this one. Right, like it actually probably might deserve its own category if we're talking in terms of food that we already consume. Yeah, I mean, like the jelly donut would be there. Absolutely. Mm, Boston cream. Boston cream. Boston cream would be there. I'm thinking um, cabbage rolls, potentially, depending how they're made. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is... You killed it. So, like, this is where (laughs) I think would be. Well, I guess. Uh, is it enclosed though? Are, are we are open. we good with that? Yeah. yeah, it's not really enclosed. What right? a cabbage roll? No lasagna. lasagna. Oh lasagna? No, it's not enclosed unless it's burnt to shit. Well, it's seared. <laughs> then it's that seared baby is cauterized. Sides. <laughs> it's cauterized. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit. Gotta cauterize the sauce. <laughs> Then, yeah, I wouldn't put a lasagna under that category. I would actually put it under... So a cake. Like a cake would be... A layered cake might be interesting. Because you're enclosing it with icing. But it's also icing on the top. Like like cheesecake. Like that's not a starch. Cheesecake, though. Graham cracker crust all the way up. What about just calling it like... But not on on top. A layered plate. Like a layered food. Like a seven-layer dip. Yeah. There's no starch, mm. so it's a salad. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and that, Take that, Canada food guide. And that's where I don't like this <laughs> this use of the word starch. Because I think... Are you saying what's a starch? Not No, not what's a starch. It's There are many more categories and food groups that still take on the same shapes, but aren't a starch. Like a salad is not a starch. I will argue that to the day that I die. Depends how many croutons. Yeah, 100%, but that's why it's zero salad. Unless it's a fruit salad. (laughs) So it's not a salad. Like. So what, okay, Brian, what makes a salad a salad then? A salad would be. I would almost. I will kill, I will kill a macaroni salad. I actually would probably put a salad in the same category as. I'm thinking like a stir fry, things that are bundled together but really aren't enclosed, like spaghetti. A compilation. Like a compilation of of different foods. Medley. Yeah, that's a great word. So we have our medley category. Medley category. Unenclosed medley. Or without grain. It can be with grain. Not mutually inclusive. I could care less. So is a shepherd's pie a pie or a medley? Definitely not pie. No pastry crust. No, it would be a layered. It would be a lasagna. It would be a lasagna. It would be in the layered cake fa- lasagna category. But the, so Pop-Tart. Really... Pop-Tart. It's in the Pop-Tart category. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, oh, but wait. it's not. It's not close. But a lasagna, but a lasagna has layers of star- like grain, starch. Shepherd's pie just has oh. one layer of potato on top. Huh. 
So it's upside down toast. <laughs> it's when the toast falls on the wrong side on the floor. You buttered the wrong side. <laughs> buttered the wrong side. <laughs> Shepherd's pie <laughs> is when you're having a bad morning. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? Shepherd's pie is toast. <laughs> yeah, when you come down, when you look at it closely under a microscope. So it should be called Shepherd's Toast. Now, I have a question. Shepherd's yeah. Upside Down Toast. I have I have had this discussion with many people who are very passionate about this these subjects of like things need to have a category and they need to fit in. Where do we feel like where do we fall within that? Like a, a, uh, like our personal passions? I would say if you don't have a category, you're in the category of not having a category. Therefore everything has a category. No, I mean like So no, Brian, we just learned Brandon's position right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> having having specific definitions to exclusively include and exclusively exclude certain things from those categories. Like segregation. How do we you like, ask me where I stand on segregation? Yes. Spicy. I am. Straight up. <laughs> um to the point of does it matter? to you as an individual for in in relation to your foods well like no because ultimately it comes down to is it a food or is it not a food is it edible yeah i mean that's the category so if somebody came up to you and said a hot dog is a sandwich would you argue it or you'd be like okay whatever i don't care i'd be interested to hear what they said but absolutely depending on who it is but would yeah, you argue it it depends who it is i might argue it, if it's <laughs> depends who it is. i'd argue it if it was you guys for sure sounds like a great podcast idea we should uh record sometime i'm not trying to get an overhand right pardon <laughs> so should i uh should i diverge our conversation here and yes. tell you a little story about an overhand yeah go for right? it Okay. Green lights always welcome. So, our last podcast we talked about um, uh, the Alberta Golden Bears being uh, getting the last spot to nationals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So we traveled. We came back this past weekend. Um, Anyways, on our travel there, it was horrible. We it was connecting flight Edmonton to Toronto, Toronto to Halifax. Uh, Edmonton to Toronto was fine. Then we get our, our connecting flight from Toronto to Halifax. Uh, it's only like a two-hour flight. And we're an hour and 45 minutes into the flight. And uh, the the plane makes a hard bank left. Hard bank left. And everyone's kind of wondering, like, what's going on? Like, sometimes you need to change your course to land. Um, but he's not landing. So we hear 30 minutes later, the captain comes on. He's like, so you may have just felt us, you know, take a hard turn. A slight jerk. Uh, that's because it, it was unsafe for us to land in Halifax. So we had to land. Uh, we're going to try and land in Quebec City and wait it out and see if we can uh, take off and go to Halifax. Anyways, while this is happening, I'm traveling with the team. So we have 18 of us. So basically three rows of six are all basketball players and the head coach doesn't like to sit with the team so he was sitting up a couple rows ahead in the emergency uh, exit aisle to get the extra leg room and 
the lady who he was sitting next to was absolutely wasted. Like, just <laughs> And kept buying drinks and kept asking for drinks. And, like, it didn't help the situation that we were so delayed. Right? Like, of course, everyone's on edge. Like, everyone wants to get there. No one's happy we have to turn and go to Quebec City. No one was happy when they said we couldn't make it to Halifax at night. Had to go back and go to Toronto. Um, she was drunk. She needed to smoke. And, of course, you can't smoke on planes. So, apparently, she was, like, taking out cigarettes and dabbing them on her lips so that she can, like, taste the nicotine. Wow, taste the Anyways, rainbow. apparently she ended up getting into a conversation with our coach about something and uh, said something and then our coach replied back and she's like, oh, I want, you, want, you want me to give you an overhand, right? You want me to give you an overhand, right? And she basically like stood up and started yelling this and like was threatening to get into a fight. <laughs> I mean, like we're on a plane and they're like sitting next to each other. <laughs> and because she's so belligerent and was so drunk, like she was yelling and complaining to everybody who would listen and it's not a very big space, right? Like somebody yelling at the front of the plane. And mean, meanwhile, they're only probably 10 rows up from where we were sitting, but someone yelling at the front of the plane, everybody can hear that and see it. And like, there's nowhere for you to go. So everyone's kind of paying attention. They're watching. Um, so that just kind of became the running joke for the weekend. If, you know, people had to diffuse a situation or provide some comic comedic relief, they would just say, Hey, you want give you an overhand, right? You want an overhand, right? I love it. Amazing. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. We ended up getting to Halifax and then uh, got killed by Carlson in the first round, but you know, here's what it is. Sports. <laughs> That's just Good life. Stuff. Yeah. But yeah, very, very interesting. WestJet, bring it back to the conversation at hand. WestJet gives you the option of pretzels or cookies as a snack on the plane. What yep. category do those fall into? Blanket, right? Salad? Well, but like it's a cookie. There's nothing inside the cookie. It's just more cookie. It's not blanketing anything. But I thought we like agreed bread, that blanket a of, was a, a single layer. Single layer, but enclosed around something. So what's our toast oh, I think we said. I think we said open face. Oh, sorry. I, then I meant open face. Apologies. So we're just calling we're just calling them open face. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brian's done with this conversation. It's just tough, right? Like you can apply to apply this to anything. And I could see this being a recurring episode on our show. Because we're only just talking about food. But like we haven't talked about animals or vehicles Waters. or buildings. Water uh like one that came to my mind was like streams and rivers. Yeah, exactly. What's and what's a creek? A what's a ravine? Yeah, exactly. I think we could keep hmm. going with this, but it could also what be worth it? another episode. But go ahead, Bryn. Well, as I say, what is the difference between a creek, ravine, and a crevasse, <laughs> crevice? <laughs> if I had to guess, like, is it? I've never been in a crevice. I think I think I'm, a lot of I'm it has happy. to do <laughs> 127 hours over here. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the actual geography of the shape, right? So a ravine 
I feel is an actual like slanted but still large open faced area that has the means to have water flowing through it, but not necessary. A creek. I put my car into a ravine. (laughs) (laughs) My seatbelt became a flaming strap of death. (laughs) Anyway, shout out to Dane Cook. Now, I see a creek as slow-moving water that could be within a ravine, right? Like, they're not exclusive to each other. But at which, at what point does a creek become a river? I cannot tell you. Or a stream, for that matter. Well, I thought a creek... Because, like, you could be in a creek bed that's dry. A creek doesn't... A creek bed. A creek bed. There doesn't need to be water. A creek needs water. Right? Oh, I disagree. Isn't it a creek bed if it doesn't have water? Well, the creek bed is just the bottom of the creek. You correct. But the creek is no longer there so, if there's no water. No, I disagree. The creek is always there. <laughs> it's the stream that comes and goes. Wouldn't so it just a be a river, path? If a, riv- if, a river, if a river runs out of water, is it still, still a river? river? If an ocean runs out of water, is it still an ocean? Uh, no, but I would say that's where I, qual- that's where I would classify the stream. Like I think a stream... I would say a stream is the water that runs through the creek. Like to me, the creek is the area. The stream is the is the water. Fascinating. You guys disagree? No, obviously. not necessarily. It's just I'm struggling with what the vessel is and what the the contents are, right? Because that was my suggestion with suggestion with ravine or valley, right? Like that that is the geography that hosts. A creek, but now that we're actually talking about talking it out, I feel like a creek can be a physical location, regardless, hmm. like regardless of its contents. See, I sense. think a creek is exclusive to water. Wait, like as soon as the so, water okay, so is if gone, there's no water. It's no longer a creek. It? I would call it a what is it? Like I would call it like a path. I would call it a gulch, like a like a. Uh, dried up creek bed is what I would actually call it. Okay, so it's a creek bed. So it's still a creek. See, then I just think it's a ravine. Because then it's, <laughs> then it's just that I'm coming back to ravine. It's just the geography To me, ravine, to me, a ravine is like extreme depths. Oh. Like that's what a ravine depths. is to me. A ravine is like that's a... That's a crevasse. Like, Interesting. I would classify a ravine as like no, I think a crevice is like a crack, like like a ravine to a me is like at... forest and water, and on a on both sides of it is a decline and an, like an incline, basically slanting yeah, like downwards. You think a valley? That's that's what I would consider a ravine, but that's also what we used to call the like forest area behind my house where my folks live. Is the ravine? Yeah, a ravine. I yeah. think a valley is a much larger scale, right? Like, yeah, a ravine yeah, think... is a, a more micro, yeah, description. Yeah, I guess I think like so a crevice, like any. What about a fissure? I guess a what? A fissure. I've never heard of that. To me, I I would make that almost synonymous with crevice. 
I think possibly the difference but, a fissure would be caused due to drought. Like it's a crack in the in the Earth's surface because the Earth the Earth's lips are are chapped. Right. I'm think I'm picturing like the fields in countries of drought, which is like cracked Earth. Mm-hmm. Fissures. It's like my skin. They need to moisturize. Mm, it's when the Earth has eczema. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like when I think of a crevice, it doesn't necessarily need to be deep. Like a crevice can just be a short, like shallow indentation in something. It's be a crevice. But ravine to me is like isn't that just a hole? A, cr- a crack <laughs> in the earth with parallel. I mean, they're all types of holes, right? Like I think hole is the parent category. <laughs> you're right okay depends on the size but uh maybe not because is a like is a river a hole no that's a no, but again this Why? is this is the structure versus ingredient conversation all yeah. over again now right i think yeah i agree with grant like the liquid is the ingredient and we're trying to lump structure and ingredient together. And the liquid is what defines... No, 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 no. But I'm saying that's... A, no, no, no. I'm saying like everything in the cube realm of classification is food. Yes. So I'm talking about creeks, streams... Well, not stream. Uh, like ravine. rivers. Oh. Ravine, yeah. Ravine, like these are all holes. Although I, yeah, right, I, under, river, I understand what you're saying. There's a river if there's water in it. It's not a river. There's no water. I would say it's a river bed because that's the structure. Right. But is it a river bed at all if there never was any water there to begin with? Isn't that just a hole? Or a gully? Or a ravine? (laughs) Do you know what I mean, though? Mm -hmm. Yes. To me, ravine just has extreme depth. That's what makes it a ravine. Wow. Can I Google the definition? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to help us. I think these are all subjective definitions. Yeah. A ravine is a deep, narrow gorge with steep sides. Ooh, gorges. Yeah, but, but, but deep is subjective. Like, what counts as deep? Steep sides, that's subjective. Hey Brandon, you know, like gorge like that. Subjective. See how I would classify steep. Steep is if you can't get yourself up that incline in a wheelchair, that's steep. Because sure, it might not feel it walking. Okay, up it, hold on. That's hold on. <laughs> but if you're walking up an incline for like a kilometer or two, like you're gonna get way more tired than if it was flat. That's. Yeah, for that sure. would be my but line I mean, of steep from an accessibility like, standpoint. And I like, like the that. Rock Johnson That's still arbitrary. Can probably get up absolutely like a, a steeper incline in a wheelchair than I can. That sounds like <laughs> a great high school physics question, actually. Challenge but... accepted. Well, what I'm saying, like his upper body strength, the necessary. To yeah, it's very, like, it's get variable. A steep slope would be greater than mine. That's not for like sure. that's not an absolute concept. Well, I was uh, yeah, I was making a crack at like the variables and weights as yes. well, and, and 
and the cir- circumference of the wheels. Comparative power, yeah. And so a creek is an inlet in a shoreline, a channel in a marsh, or another narrow, sheltered waterway. Is a creek. Is a creek. So specifically a waterway. Right. What else were we saying? A crevasse? <laughs> crevasse. Okay, it's making me uncomfortable that you guys keep saying crevasse instead of crevice. I know. I've been going back and forth, but uh, I think crevasse is just fun to say. So a crevice... Right. You don't get to say a lot of hard A's like that. A crevice is a deep, open crack. As examples, in a glacier. But it doesn't have to be specific right, to a glacier. Okay, now do Fisher. Fisher? Yeah. Just going to get the profession Fisher. Yeah. F-I-S-S-U-R-E. Oh, that's not how I would have spelled it. Me neither. Guilty. <laughs> a long, narrow opening or line of breakage made by cracking or splitting, especially in rock or earth. Yeah, so I would agree with, with your initial definition of uh, eczema land. Eczema land! <laughs> we have an episode title! Seems like, it seems like a fun place to, to visit. I love how nothing <laughs> is going to relate to eczema land. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is your, uh, what, is your, what is your top Pop-Tart flavor? Oh... Also, before while you think about that, can I give you a Pop Tart fun fact? You may. Yeah. Okay. So I learned this when I was in Florida, and uh, when I was down there it was during Hurricane Irma. So there was all this talk about, you know, how to prepare yourself during a hurricane. The two most popular items to get, like, this is just from pure data, to buy in preparation for a hurricane. Water and strawberry pop tarts, and I kid you not, we went to Walmart, and uh, obviously all the water was gone because everyone's getting that. Go down the pop tart aisle; the only pop tarts that are sold out are strawberry pop tarts. Is that just not even joking? Is that just like I heard that? I heard that on the radio. I have no idea why strawberry pop tarts are the way to go, but. I heard on the radio, and then I was like, okay, I gotta go check this out. Walmart, you know, the usual things like batteries, uh, water, all that stuff. The rest of the Pop-Tarts were there. I mean, people had bought them, obviously. It wasn't like they were full of shelves, but the one Pop-Tart that wasn't there, strawberry Pop-Tarts. And I was like, this is crazy. That is wild. I'd be super interested to find out why it was only strawberry. Because it's not even the best flavor. What's the best right. flavor? S'mores. S'mores is pretty good. It's a little my too man. chocolatey s'mores. for me, though. I was going to say s'mores, but I also am not a connoisseur. My parents never really let me uh, go wild on that sort of thing. Oh, we used to have Pop-Tarts um, on the boat because we didn't have a toaster. And it was difficult. Like Sometimes it was a hassle to make food in the morning because you don't really have the same appliances you do at home. So we had this thing, I'm sure you've seen it, it's like a pop-up camping grill for toast. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of doing toast, we would do Pop-Tarts. And that's primarily where we nice. had a lot of Pop-Tarts. 
because um, it was just super easy to do. Very little cleanup. Um, right. They didn't go bad. It wasn't like bread, right? Like bread was a challenge because it took up a lot of space and would often go bad. Um, you know, because we would go for long trips, but pop tarts were fine. So, wow. we always used to have pop tarts in the boat. Yeah, that's awesome. Brian, what's yours? See, I'm just gonna look like the silly guy over here that would be disappointed when he was in the middle of Hurricane Irma and couldn't get any damn strawberry pop tarts because <laughs> I think they're spectacular. What? I think strawberry pop tarts are phenomenal. So you understand why strawberry pop tarts are always off the shelf for like I'm okay to get raspberry or like I'm a big jelly person. Peanut butter and jellies. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know how it is. So I think that's why I'm more pushed towards that type of style of Pop Tart. But it But if you get Pop Tarts in like the value box where you're like you know, you get like twenty oh, yeah. instead of six or eight or whatever it is it's always like strawberry and blueberry mm-hmm. and they always put the worst flavors in the value boxes like it's why they don't have the value boxes with all the good flavors because people would just get those or do you think it's because they're the cheapest to make because they go through the most ingredients and so they have more buying power you the, they go through the least ingredients no most most Oh, you mean in terms oh, volume. of volume? Volume. Uh, but if they're so popular, why would they put them in the value items? Why wouldn't they just keep it on regular eight pop tart per box? Because it's a, doing it, it for the people. It's a quantity discount. Yeah, but they don't need to because they're still going to sell just as many. Or do you think it's a lost leader? Do you think they they have trouble getting rid of the blueberry? So they tie it in with the straw. Yeah, I don't like the blueberries. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe they that maybe that's it. They they have too many blueberries. So in order to get rid of the blueberries, they have to tie it in with the beloved strawberry. Speaking of categorization, technically blackberries, blueberries, and raspberries are all not berries. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's more of an FYI. It's not up for debate. Don't challenge me on that. I'm not going to. We're not going to get into what makes a berry a berry, people. Don't worry. Not today. How's your book club going, Brian? You had any reading done on your trip? I did. I, uh, I'm i almost done a book called The Push. And it's about a gentleman named Tommy Cladwell. Caldwell. Caldwell. And he was like this rock climbing feet uh like basically the tiger woods of the rock climbing community since he was about seven years old was winning competitions as an amateur beating out professionals at 20 like he was 16 and beating out 22 year olds um yeah your boy was killing it and so he has this crazy story of he went on a trip with the north face with his girlfriend at the time um when they were 20 to a place called kyrgyzstan for those of you who don't know it, believe it's next to Kazakhstan. Um, and they were going through uh, like a militant war crisis at the time. But because it's so mountain rangy and 
uh, population is very small. It's not, it wasn't that publicized. It wasn't that popular. It's not even in the realm of ISIS like it is today. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so they went anyways. Uh, they ended up getting captured by these militants and held captive for six days. And um, part of the book, he goes on to talk about they basically, the, these captors split up and led, one of the captors led them up this mountain cliff while another person went to go find a goat to kill for food because they were all starving. And when they got to this edge of this mountain, this Tommy actually booted this guy off of the side of the mountain to try to get free. Um, and so it like changed his life, changed the way that he viewed everything. Um and how he was able to channel that and get back into climbing after he killed somebody and was held captive in a foreign country, which would be terrifying. Uh, and then it goes on to him like reclaiming and refining himself in the rock climbing world because it hurt him psychologically so much that he couldn't really get back into the sport right away. Um, and then it goes on to tell part of his life was uh, he was helping build part of his home and he cut off his index finger with a bandsaw. And it was, they tried to save it and they tried to um, put it on three or four times by reattaching it. But it kept, because of the severe blood flow that he had from being a rock climber in his fingers from the strength, the blood flow just kept clotting. And so they had to cut off his finger. Um, but he finally climbed the end of the story. And I'm almost there but I already know what happens, uh, was he climbed one of the hardest routes in Yosemite Valley from as a free climb. So what free climbing is, is you're attached to a rope, but you're not, there's no aid in your climbing. So it's, um, it's lead climbing is essentially what it's called, where if you fall, you do a complete swing down to basically the bottom of the route or where the belayer is, and you have to restart the route. You can't fall and then pick up from where you last fell. You have to restart that route or that section all over again. Um, so he yeah, climbed this. You're at the bottom. Yeah, and he climbed this this hardest route um, with his partner, and it took them. I can't remember how long it took them, but it was three, three or four weeks, I believe. Um, and they lived on the wall through ice storms, through all of this, all while he was missing a full finger. And the doctors told him that he would never rock climb ever again. So. Wow. And he, he tells it very charismatically and uh, emotionally at the same time of where you can you can almost read the emotion that he was feeling while he was writing the book, which I always find is right is really captivating. Mm-hmm. But if you're into adventure books, I would recommend it. It's called The Push by Tommy Col- Caldwell. Yeah. How many books in are you? Not many. You know, the goal was 50. I think I'm six. Hey, better than zero. I'm six, yeah. Not great, but zero. the trip was good. I, I crushed two on the trip, so that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well done. Brian's yeah. Book club. Next one on the docket is The Other Einstein. It's about Einstein's first wife and how he basically stole all of her ideas and never gave her credit for it. Damn. You'll have to keep us in the loop. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, that's our episode of deciding whether things are things. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
can always get in touch with us at uh, on our email at thatsinterestingpod at gmail.com or on Instagram at CSI Podcast. Uh, we appreciate the time you take. If you made it this far, we appreciate you sticking with us this far. We always have a great time making this podcast, so we appreciate you guys listening in and joining us uh, on our adventures. Gentlemen. Hasta la vista, baby. A Pop-Tart could be ravioli. Good night, everyone. A Pop-Tart could pop your tart. <laughs> Get out there and play, kids. <laughs>